Life is full of events that leave you stiff, sore, tight. Think of the feeling you get after a good stretch. Looser, lighter, maybe even happier. Let's lengthen our perspective in life and celebrate our accomplishments together. The But First Stretch podcast isn't just all about fitness. It's about actual people who are bettering their lives and our collective community. It's about coming together and getting inspired in your own life. It's for people who want to stretch their mind, body, and soul by tapping into their own potential and self-worth. And really cool down after the episode with a brief meditation that ties together the theme. Just a reminder, but first stretch. Hi, I'm Jen McCracken. Welcome back to But First Stretch. And if it's your first time, I am so glad that you are joining me. If this episode or podcast is something somebody you know would be interested in, share it. Leave a comment or like it on iTunes or Spotify, however you listen. It's really about coming together as a community, no matter where you live, and getting inspired to live your best life. Each person in every episode has an important conversation, and I hope that you enjoy. I recently had our third baby, and something that is customary after someone gives birth is bringing food over for the couple. It makes life so much easier the first few weeks. It's also one of my favorite things. I know everyone puts a lot of thought into their meal, and I often get to try new dishes. And this episode is really focused on that, finding love in eating and being kind to yourself about what you eat. Our guest on this week's episode of But First Stretch is Christina Brewster, CLC. She is a dietitian who believes that proper nutrition is about finding balance, not perfection. Christina is a holistic nutritionist who believes that proper nutrition comes from listening to your body's unique needs and finding your balance. Christina has a bachelor's degree in science in nutrition and dietetics from Immaculata University. Coincidentally, while working as a nanny, the child she cared for was diagnosed with an aggressive irritable bowel disease and several other dietary issues. Over the six years she cared for him and his brother, she was immersed in the world of IBD, food allergies, and so much toddler pickiness. After that, her career pivoted towards chronic disease management, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, etc., She's mainly focused um, at that point on the 55 and above population, but her heart has always been with community-based nutrition programs. She was hired with the Philadelphia WIC program, WIC. It's um, the special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children. She had the opportunity to work as a nutritionist as well as a nutrition manager for the rest of the West Philadelphia office. And during the time, she had offered the CLC certification program through WIC. And the rest is pretty much history for Christina. So let's stretch our mind, body, and soul. The first portion of this podcast is the warm-up, introducing our guest. Hi, Christina. Welcome. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Why did you pursue nutrition as a profession? So um, food was always really around. Um, I come from an Italian family, so we were always cooking, discussing food. Um, just food was everywhere. Uh, when I decided to go into nutrition in school, um, it really just kind of opened up my love of food. 
and then how food fuels the body. And it just totally blew my mind what food does once it goes into our bodies. Um, and then once I realized the connection between food and culture and uh, our interactions, our social interactions, it really was just like, oh my gosh, this is, I want to, I want to give this to other people. I want to help people find this love. So food isn't this stressful decision you have to make. It's something fun, something you can enjoy. That's awesome. So what has been the most rewarding part of your job? And I think it might help to explain um, you know, maybe what you did through WIC and what you're doing as a CLC a little bit here mm-hmm. and like what they are. Sure. Um, so my nutrition background is actually, um, pretty rounded. It's kind of why I call myself a family holistic nutritionist. Um, I started off with a child that had irritable bowel disease, um, and nannied him for about six years. I learned so much about Um, irritable bowel disease management, as well as um, picky eatings with kids and food allergies and um, food aversions. It was a very difficult time, but he taught me so much. Then my career pivoted towards chronic disease management in the uh, 55 and above community. Um, So hypertension, cardiovascular disease. And then eventually, once I got around to WIC, I was helping people... um, figure out how to feed their body during pregnancy, breastfeeding, um, and then their children up to age five. So it really um, kind of turned into let's figure out how to get the family eating well and eating well together, pretty much. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And what, uh, what, is, what does WIC stand for? Can you remind me? Yes. So the supplemental food and income. All right. Supplemental food and nutrition for women, infants, and children. Um, So essentially, it encompasses uh, pregnant women from the second you become pregnant. And that also includes women that miscarry as well are still covered under the WIC program. Um, And then infants and children up to age five are able to receive WIC benefits through the state. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's like (laughs) food stamps for moms and kids pretty much. Yeah. And... Maybe this is a good also point to describe, like, your work as a CLC and uh, what that is and how it might different, like, be different than um, a lactation consultant. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, so a uh, board-certified lactation consultant would be an IBCLC. I am a certified lactation counselor, a CLC. The board-certified um, route is uh, you do like a four-year university and then there's an additional amount of time that you stay in college. I believe there's something like 400 observable hours that you work in the field and just like collect a lot of information. It's like a mini internship pretty much. Um, And then once you graduate, you take a a board, you take a test uh, for a board certification. And then once you pass that, you receive that accreditation through the state. With a CLC, it's for people like me who are already immersed in the field of helping pregnant moms and helping people breastfeed or um, nutrition. So registered nurses, registered dietitians, um, people, again, that are nutritionists in the community health arena are able to reach out and um, do an accelerated program, which is seven days intensive work, um, schoolwork with testing and then an end of the week testing. 
that once you pass, you receive the certification for your CLC. Um, but because you've already been immersed in the world and you're already helping people, you already have that type of, mm-hmm. um, you don't need the 400 observable hours, which was funny because um, I am a CLC, but I had IBCLCs come to my office and um, I was their preceptor mm-hmm. and would show them around the office and I helped them complete their internship requirements. <laughs> it's hard. Like that's a, that's a profession that it is hands-on no matter what certification you do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, it's funny you do mention hands because um, mm. <laughs> one stark difference between the IBCLC and the CLC is um, the board certified uh, the board certified people are actually able to put their hands on mothers to help that or uh, or parents to help them um, figure out what they're doing. The CLC they're not really permitted to do that. But I also I personally am comfortable with that route. Um, especially working with the population I used to work with, there was a lot of trauma. And when women sometimes help women, they feel as if they can touch without asking. Mm. So for me, I had no problem um, instructing moms how to help themselves and how to do it on themselves without crossing a barrier that would maybe make them uncomfortable or trigger something that we couldn't really stop at that moment. Yeah, I, I think that's really important, and I'm glad you shared that. Um, yeah. So what's been the most rewarding part of your job? Um. As much as I love, like, the nutrition, nutrition part, the lactation counseling has been incredible. Um, Helping women, um, and that also includes people that are born biological women as well as women um, women that have transitioned, too, I've helped. Um, Help them learn their own awesomeness. Help them realize this is what we're born to do. Our bodies are meant to do this. Learn how to trust yourself. Um it's difficult to trust yourself when you can easily make a two ounce bottle and see my child drank two ounces or trust your body and say, okay, my child drank what they needed off of my body. And I can't see how much they drank. Mm -hmm. Um, helping women trust themselves and realize how awesome the human body really is. is just an absolute pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, what's the most challenging part of your job? Um, There can be a lot of barriers to um, breastfeeding education in in regards to that that part. Um, There is a lot of stigmatism out there. Uh, There's there's a lot of pressure as well, too, and that really does affect um, the efficacy of um, what you put forth with certain people. If they have negative people in their life, no matter how hard you and that parent work together, things could fail. And that's really, mm-hmm. and that's really sad because it's, it's not what that mom or what that parent, um, set up as a goal. And it's not even something that they're able to control that's affecting, um, their decision. Yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. So we're going to dive into the workout portion of the podcast. So Christina, could you tell us a little bit about food for thought Conchi and who you work with with this program? So uh, Food for Thought Country's uh, focus pretty much is uh, family nutrition in general. So everybody from the pregnant mom, the infant, all the way up to, you know, Nana and Papa, pretty much. But it's more of a focus on fixing the family's relationship with food rather than let's drop pounds off of a scale. Um, I believe that you can be healthy at any size. There is a 
a new approach that's out there that is called Haze, H-A-E-S, healthy at any at every size. That is my my goal. It's not about losing weight for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some people need to gain weight. It's more let's fix your relationship with food and help you fall in love with food and food for thoughts focus is um, bring that love to the entire family. What are some challenges that you see people face when they're trying to eat healthy? Um, one of the most difficult things is labeling foods as um, good or bad, which I understand, you know, you hold up a package of Skittles, bad, <laughs> towards, you know, a piece of spinach. I, I understand that. Um, but sometimes labeling food as bad uh, for people that are growing up in what we call a food desert, people that don't have food stores within miles. So people that are in inner cities, uh, they may only have a corner store with uh, like packaged foods. By telling someone that their food, that the only food they can choose is, is bad, you're constantly telling them that what they put in their food, they have no choice and is, is bad. Mm. So rather than helping them navigate through their world, you're telling them straight out, your food is bad. And what you put in your body, you have no choice. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's a deep, it's a pretty deep, um, type of, <laughs> it's pretty deep when you think about it. And it's, and it's sad too. When you think, you know, imagine being 80 years old and handicapped and you have to rely on the bus. You're not able to take three buses with re- with your groceries to and from to get the food that you need. You go to the corner store or you've got someone to go to the corner store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess this kind of like ties into this question. Like what are some ways people mm-hmm. can eat healthy without spending a ton of money? Coupons. <laughs> <laughs> Coupons and deals all day. Um, one of the most constructive assignments I did back in school was, uh, we were given seven or several different, um, like food stamp, um, eligible people like profiles to help build a diet for. So it was like a family or like an elderly person using the amount of money they were given in a month. And it really truly helped me stop to be like, all right, this is the only amount of money coming in. It's a fixed income. I have to feed myself and make it last for 30 to 31 days. So the couponing, the paying attention to deals really help people. um, And also eating seasonally too is going to help you. You know, there's not as much travel involved as eating uh, when your food is within season. Um, And frozen fruits and vegetables, there's nothing wrong with them. Stock up on them when there's deals and you can easily make them and store them, you know, for meal prep. Oh, that I feel like that is so true. Like I always forget about like the frozen fruit section. Um, yeah. But it's so nice, like to be like, oh, I could throw some pineapple in a smoothie. But I, mm-hmm. meanwhile, I'm like, oh, what do I have in my fridge? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny too because frozen is actually one of the healthier things that you can purchase because it's picked and immediately frozen at like peak freshness. Mm. So even though you may be getting something fresh, like a fresh apple from the food store. If you're trying to get something like berries or pineapple, you said that's out of season or all the way in Hawaii, definitely get them frozen. They're picked, they're frozen, and they're they're kind of halted in their stage of life with all of those nutrients at that moment, and, it, and they're cheap. <laughs> well, that's like a super fun fact. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are what are some tips for helping people make positive choices about food? Um. 
really at the end of the day, it comes down to figuring out what your triggers are. Um, you know, if you, if you realize that you tend to make fattier choices when you're like fattier as in like, um, like a food that has a lot of fat in it or like something that has like a lot of like a meat or cheese or like a cake, something like that, something like a comfort food that sits in your stomach and kind of makes you feel warm. When you think of those type of things, um, if you notice that you're going towards those foods in certain moments, rather than focus on the food that you're choosing, stop and go, why am I in need of comfort in this moment? And why does it seem that food is my only escape? Um, and try, I mean, really, really the biggest thing is make food enjoyable, fall in love with food again. It shouldn't be, oh, boo, I have to make food again, or oh, I, I should count this calorie, or, I should try this diet, or it shouldn't be about that. It should be about how can I make whatever I'm making as flavorful and enjoyable as possible, you know, excuse me for saying it, but screw what's on the scale. <laughs> and no one's good. No one's going to eat boiled chicken and bear lettuce and be happy, <laughs> you know, figure out how to find food that's that are healthy, but add your cultural spices to it. Add any type of flair that you want and don't even think about negative or positive think about how do I make this enjoyable and fun for myself yeah and I think I don't know at least in my in my house I think like what where and I'll share of course like I like I like how you said the word trigger because I think I think that's a really important piece to this because in our house I think sometimes we get into like the packaged foods and when I mean packaged I mean like snacks in particular mm-hmm. <laughs> um like oh I feel like going for the veggie straws or pretzels when I should be maybe reaching for almonds and, you know, different kinds of trail mix. So it's like the, even having the trigger food around. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that, but also um, being fair with yourself too. Um, there is not going to be a perfect diet. It doesn't exist. And striving for perfection is setting yourself up for failure. Um, especially once you start adding on multiple kids it's so difficult to have perfectly cut fruits and vegetables set for your kids. I mean, yeah, in your mind, it might, it may be the most amazing thing or you see something on Pinterest, but be kind to yourself. Um, life is crazy. Life is hectic. There's going to be times where you're going to have to make the choices. You know, you're going to have to make that fast choice. You're going to have to make that easy choice because chaos is ensuing and there's like, you know, a baby on your boob and three kids losing it next to you. Mm-hmm. Like, um, make those choices, realize you're doing the best that you can for what's going on at that moment. And there's always an opportunity for something, something new or something different. Eventually it's not like, Oh, just because you happen to give your veggie straws to your child in that moment, they're going to need veggie straws for every meal for the rest of their life. <laughs> like, it's, it's not fair to, you know, the world is, is unkind to all of us enough as it is. Um, I always try to tell people, be kind to yourself too. Um, especially when it comes to something like food, it's something we have to do every day. And if every time there's punishment associated with food, something we have to do multiple times a day, you're associating something negative with something that keeps us alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is not an association that you, you ever want because it's not like you could stop (laughs) You can give up food. You got about seven days to give up food and be okay. (laughs) 
Um, this is a good transition, I think, about, especially with kids, like, what advice do you have for parents as they navigate these challenges of teaching kids about nutritious choices? Um, the biggest thing is if you're not eating it ever, you can't expect your child to eat it. Um, think of evolution. If a fox is showing their young what they can and cannot eat, they're going to show you can eat from this berry bush. You cannot eat from that bug thing or something. Mm -hmm. It's like poisonous. If those babies don't see that, they die because they eat the wrong thing by mistake. If we're not eating broccoli, we magically tell our kids to eat broccoli. Evolution is telling them, well, my parents aren't eating it, so why should I eat it? Mm -hmm. So really it's all about making it fun, making it um, fun for the entire family if you have, you know, two adults, a toddler and an infant, for example, and the meal is, you know, does have broccoli, maybe have pureed broccoli for the baby, maybe have um, smaller broccoli pieces of that same meal for the toddler, and then the same things for you. But it's not just, it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. It's, it needs to be exposed. Your children need to see you set that example of, eating those foods mm. and if you don't find a way to make it enjoyable for you and your, for you to eat it then your kids aren't going to want to eat it as well yeah I think you know one of the one of the tips I found too is that there's this like cutting board that kids can use like the knife mm -hmm. and cutting board and I feel like I love that because it's safe like mm -hmm. my son can yeah. like cut up food next to me or like make his like peanut butter sandwich like next to me while I'm like making lunch and mm -hmm. I like that you kind of said, like, get the kids involved, make it fun. And when he feels ownership over his meal, it's exciting. Absolutely. And um, one of the, the strangest things that came out of um, my six years as a nanny for the, um, the children that had IBD, um, when we realized exactly how many things were going wrong um, with this child and that food was the, the problem. We, there was just so few things he could actually eat. So um, one day I realized, I think maybe for about a week, I had the same thing for lunch. I was just like lazy that week and just kept bringing like chicken wings or something like that I had made. And he was curious after a couple of days of being exposed to seeing me eat that. Well, after about three days, he's like, I want to try. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I like handed him a wing and he took a bite. In the next couple of days, I want to help make. And I'm like, Okay. So we, he helped me make it. We just put some chicken wings with olive oil and garlic powder in a bag and he shook it up in the bag, loved it, put it on top, put it, you know, in the oven and he ate it. And I realized I started bringing weirder and weirder things to lunch. Like I had grilled salmon I brought to lunch <laughs> to the point where he'd be like, I want to try that. I want to help make it. And he was helping me broil salmon. <laughs> And I'm like, I had this three-year-old that was helping me broil salmon. And I've been doing the same with my daughter when we hit what are called food jags. Just, you know, times in her life where she'll stop eating something she always did or she just gets super picky. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of trick her by eating um, something for lunch or dinner next to her to kind of intrigue her. And then I'm like, oh, you want it from my plate? Okay. Because, you know, they always want what we have. <laughs> yes. Always. And it... It really does, like, it takes it takes a little bit of time. <laughs> it takes about, like, I'd say a week to start things moving. But it's amazing to see what she'll actually try. Like, she was eating tabbouleh the one day, which is pretty much 
pure curly parsley and tomatoes and lemon juice. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. I was like, oh, go ahead, kid. Go <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I also think it's funny because I think sometimes we want them to try all these different foods and they, sometimes they just don't like it. And that's like mm-hmm. how we are. Like, I don't like vegetables prepared a certain way. So it's unfair of me to say like, oh, well, you have to eat this asparagus when maybe he doesn't like asparagus, but he'll eat carrots or he'll eat peppers. So mm-hmm. even kind of saying like, okay, you tried the asparagus, you didn't like it, you haven't ever liked it in your life. I'm just going to yeah. make you this side instead. Yeah. Exactly. And also, um, foods that we're exposed to in our cultures and our families and things too can all be used. I mean, there's so many foods from all over the entire world and every single one of them has amazing nutrients. So if you need something green, there's something green pretty much in any culture. Mm -hmm. Um, if, I mean, there's just, there's so many amazing foods that are out there that can be replaced or that if you know a child does like it, it doesn't have to be changed. Um, for a long time when I was in school, there was sort of damning going on with some foods like, um, like the starchy veggies it was like, Oh, a child only eats peas and corn and string beans. I'm like, what do you mean only? They're at least <laughs> eating some type of vegetable. Um, but I would notice this type of like, mm. I don't know, negative association, even with something like vegetables. And then it's like, Oh great. So you have a parent who's probably like, yes, my kid ate peas every day this week. And then they sit down with, with a nutritionist or a dietitian, and they're like, oh, well, that's a starchy vegetable. That's all your kid ate. It's not, and like, the parents like, oh, <laughs> there goes my, there goes my win. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so true. Um, do you have a favorite dish that you like to make? Um, definitely Sunday gravy. Mm. I love making Sunday gravy. Wait, it's you had to say like, this a... is like Italian, like tomato based oh, gravy. Sorry, tomato gravy. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> There's tomato sauce and, and, and gravy. Um, yeah, my family are people that call it gravy. That's true. But <laughs> yeah. So, so a Sunday gravy with, oh my gosh, I'll usually do, um, like a brajol and some meatballs and some sausage. And I just do like a long, slow simmer all day long. And it just makes me feel my roots. I'm going to come hang outside your house on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it smells, it sounds so good. There's so much garlic. And I, that, I use a lot of garlic, like until my ancestors whisper that I stop, I pretty much <laughs> go all in. <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> um, so I would like to, um, if anyone, you know, wants to reach out, like how can people get in mm-hmm. contact with you? What are your social media handles? So I am on Facebook, uh, Food for Thought, and the four is the number four. So Food for Thought. And I'm also on Instagram, uh, Food for Thought Conchi. And I'll put these um, in the show notes below so people can click on them. Thank you. Perfect. (laughs) So I have three questions that I ask everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, My first question is, what stretches are you doing in your own life? Um, writing things down more, um, writing thoughts down more, uh, to stretch my brain and my heart, I guess you could say. (laughs) Are is it like journaling? Is it just, um, sometimes it's, I am statements. Mm. Um, 
it depends on the day, but it's really more like what I'm feeling. And I kind of let that guide me. Like if I want to kind if I want an affirmation to guide me throughout my day, I'll write it down in a pretty way. Or if there's things that I want to get done, um, weirdly, the list will become my affirmation for the day. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what is something that you are enjoying doing in your life for you? For me, um, hmm. <laughs> I've been starting to cook and bake more like I did before I had kids. Um, you know, it's hard to make the more difficult breads and cakes and pies and things like that uh, when you got little ones running around. But I've been slowly starting to get back with those things again, and it's really fun to get nice and messy and bring out the um, – the board that I use to make cookies and things like that, that was from my family. So it's nice to get back into that again. I love that. I, I had um, someone on another episode, Carly Chiffon from the change concept. And yeah. she made a really good point that self care is different for everyone. So for you, it could be like having that time to bake food and cook food that is like important for you and your family it might, mm-hmm. it might not be like taking a bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and our bath is not very comfortable, actually. I'm not sure how people are comfortable in bathtubs. <laughs> Maybe my back isn't doing it right. I, I always want the idea of taking a bath to be relaxing, but I'm like, how do I read this book if I'm, my hands are wet? Like, this isn't relaxing. <laughs> I have that problem, too. That's, that's exactly. Okay, good. And then I always think of my Kindle falling in, too. I'm like, that's just the worst possible outcome. <laughs> And what is something you just can't stop talking about? Uh, my kids. Oh. <laughs> they just are blowing my mind with their amazingness and kindness and sweetness. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm nerding out. Um, thank you so much for being on this episode. It was so great to connect with you, to chat. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a blast. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christina. It was so great to connect, chat with her, and hopefully you have a great takeaway. And if you're interested in connecting with her, please don't hesitate to. She offers a lot of great services that might be beneficial to your family or even yourself. And I wanted to just share, I did a healthy body meditation on episode three when I had nutritionist Kelly Bakes come on and speak. And today I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different because I do love that healthy body meditation. It's like a really great way just to focus on how amazing your body really is. If we put aside, you know, as Christina said, all of that, you know, stress about what necessarily you're eating and just eat food for um, pleasure Um, but it just looks at the body holistically you know your lungs every part that really sustains you so I wanted to do something today that is it's more of a practice than an actual meditation and it's something great you can do with children if you have children in your life and it's basically just a mindful eating activity. And one of the things about being mindful is just kind of taking in each moment, which, you know, in our everyday life can be really challenging, but it could be anything. You know, you could start with breakfast. You could, you know, just take 
any kind of food. It could be a grape, for example. And sometimes we just like forget those small pleasures in life, especially that, you know, food is nourishing our body. So just take a moment, you know, when you have some piece of food in front of you. And just notice, like, first what it looks like. Maybe notice if it has a particular smell. Can you identify a certain spice? Does that smell take you somewhere else? And when you're ready, place that piece of food in your mouth. And just chew it slowly for 10 chews to notice what you taste. And after that 10th chew, gently swallow. And some people here might even want to say thank you, you know, for nourishing my body. But it's really just a little activity that you can do to be mindful about your eating. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of But First Stretch. Um, be sure to follow me. You can follow me on Instagram, JenniferMC3 and FitFamConchi. And again, if you like this episode, if you like this podcast, please give it a like however you listen. And I hope you have a wonderful day.